Welcome to A Millennial's Guide to Saving the World with your host, Anya Cates. This podcast has one mission, to rally a generation that's been labeled and groomed as lazy, triggered, and entitled, and invite us all to write a new story. One of a generation that's willing to challenge the status quo, reject black and white thinking, and opt out of each and every repressive system and box that we've been placed in. Above all else, I want to invite millennials to step up to the plate, to be vulnerable in owning our responsibility to ourselves and for walking this planet through the darkest of days. It's time to dream new dreams, write new stories, and create new futures. The great work begins. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. It is Wednesday the 21st as I record this, and I am very thankfully recording this back in my home. Um, For those of you that listened to last week's episode, you know that I was evacuated for eight days due to the wildfires. All of Topanga was evacuated, Um, but we were finally let back in. I think it was the day that I actually released that episode, not knowing if they were going to 100% let us back, but they did. And of course, it was on the day Venus Station Direct, which how perfect. Um, But I just feel really grateful to be back here going through that experience, as I spoke about on the episode was really enlightening. And um, I, although already felt super grateful to be able to live where I live and just have the home that I have, it's just been so nice to be back at my house and to know that I had a home to return to when so many other people did not. Um, I just really have a newfound respect for home and security and that I have a safe and beautiful place to live. So I'm home, very grateful for that, very devastated by the destruction that the fire caused. If you want to hear more about the experience and all that happened um, and you haven't listened to the last episode, I recommend going back and doing that. Um, This week's episode is with Eugenia Kroc. Uh, Eugenia, um, or I recorded this episode with Eugenia actually back in August when I was in... um, around Boulder. I was there for a week for my birthday, seeing and visiting friends. And, um, so this is a bit old, but, uh, Eugenia had just gotten back from, um, Egypt and just happened to be back in Colorado when I was there. And so as you'll hear on the podcast, uh, Eugenia played somewhat of a significant role in inspiring me to create this podcast. So given that we were in the same place at the same time, I really wanted to meet her in person and record this in person, knowing it probably wouldn't come out for a little while. And it's interesting to listen back to this now, because I feel like even in the like five, six episodes that I recorded, I already feel so much more comfortable doing this and um, and interviewing people. So if it sounds like for some reason I like took a step back and like am less fluent in terms of podcasting, that's because this technically was the first one that I ever recorded. Anyway, um, regardless of that, it was a wonderful discussion and it was super great to meet Eugenia and connect in person. Um, Eugenia, uh, we talk a lot about what she does in the podcast, but she's got a master's degree in counseling and art therapy. She's a certified 
certified grief counselor um, and been a practicing astrologer for the past 10 years. Um, Eugenia was actually the first astrologer to ever give me an astrology reading. And, uh, and I had three with her total back in the early 2017. So, um, her readings were really instrumental for me, not just in my own personal growth, but in inspiring me to study astrology and learn more about astrology. One of the many things I love about Eugenia is that she bridges the worlds of astrology and psychology. So we talk a lot about both psychology and astrology on the show and kind of speak to how the two complement one another and can be used um, in tandem with one another. And I think we do a pretty good job at kind of outlining where both modalities um, I don't want to say fail, but where they are both lacking in certain ways and where putting the two of these things together, um, psychoanalysis and astrology can help to kind of fill in some of those gaps. So I think when we put these two things together, it becomes or has the potential to become a much more meaningful experience when it comes to going down the path of confronting past traumas, of becoming self-actualized, etc., and although we might sound kind of anti-therapy on the podcast, as I listen back to this, we're definitely not. <laughs> um, but I do think we are honest about the ways that psychology and psychoanalysis um, and most forms of therapy can kind of miss the mark. So I just wanted to be clear on that. Like I go to therapy twice a week. I have for the past two years, I've seen a therapist for most of my life. Um, and once you find someone good, which thankfully I have an amazing therapist, I'm I can't even quantify the degree to which that um, counseling has helped me. So certainly not anti-therapy, but I do think having the knowledge and experience that I had with astrology enabled, at least in large part, um, enabled me to get the most out of therapy. And so I hope that this conversation helps educate everyone on how both things can be used really well together if you choose to do that. So before I get into the episode, I wanted to say a quick note about Patreon. Um, if you haven't joined as a patron yet, I encourage you to do so. You can go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Anya Cates. And from the time and money and energy that goes into creating this podcast, especially as I mentioned, I have absolutely no intention of ever doing any sort of advertising. And so this is kind of like public radio and the only way that I'm going to be able to sustain this and continue to do this and hopefully grow it, hopefully travel, meet more people, buy better equipment, you know, get help in terms of editing so I can record, record more content. I need your support. Um, and so like public radio, uh, or maybe unlike public radio, like hopefully the perks are better and there are no obnoxious long pledge drives, except for me mentioning Patreon every time I record an episode. Um, but depending on what tier you, you subscribe to, it starts at $5 a month. And not only are you supporting me and the work in and of itself, but I also give you access to different types of types of perks. And so depending on what level you join at, you can get access to bonus episodes of the podcast, of which I've already recorded one. I send out weekly columns of inspiration called Minerva's Muse. So anything that I'm reading or watching or looking at or any places that I visited, I compile all of that um, and send that out weekly. This past week, I actually made it thematic, which was really fun. So Jupiter um, ingressed into Sagittarius last week and... Uh, 
I did my whole Minerva's Muse um, column around concepts having to do with Sagittarius. So uh, there's lots of cool stuff out there. I really encourage you to check it out. One other announcement that I wanted to make on that front is that I have a couple of goals. So if you go to my Patreon, you will see that once I reach 15 patrons or 25 patrons that I have two different goals. And so for the, once I reached 15 patrons, I decided that I'm going to start releasing monthly worksheets on different types of philosophical, psychological, astrological concepts. So for those of you that follow me on Instagram, you know that I try as best I can to do a lot of education around different types of topics in those three arenas. Mostly I would say, um, And I get a lot of really great feedback and people always ask me if I can like save them to my Instagram story highlights, which I do. Um, But I thought there might be a better way to create and deliver that information to everyone aside from putting it in an Instagram story that disappears in 24 hours. And so I had the idea that once I reach 15 patrons that on a monthly basis, I'll put together something like that. So think topics like spiritual bypassing, cognitive dissonance, um, planetary retrogrades that I would put together like a worksheet, uh, a one-on-one on these different topics. And so that will become a perk for, um, just starting at the $5 level. So any level that you join, you'll get access to that. I am at 12 patrons right now. So that means I only need three more in order to start that. So if you've been think, wow, I sound, I'm, I sound so much like public radio. If you've been thinking of joining, now's the time, <laughs> but seriously, now is the time. Um, only three more people to go. Uh, so patreon.com slash on your Kates. Um, I will stop talking about that now and let you guys hear and enjoy this episode. We are recording. So thank you, Eugenia, for You're coming welcome. on. I will give you a little intro before, so we don't def- necessarily need to do that right now. But um, I'm super excited to have you on the show we were talking about this briefly before, but basically you're the reason this podcast exists. <laughs> um, so just to give you guys the little rundown. So when I was going through the thick of trauma last year, about a year and a half ago, um, I had had a reading or a conversation with a family friend who is an intuitive person. And she had mentioned something about, um, uh, you're in your Saturn return. And I didn't know anything about astrology. I had no idea what a Saturn return was, but I wrote it down. And after our conversation, I just started Googling, like, what is a Saturn return? I never, I don't even think I listened to podcasts, but I was like so desperate that I just typed in Saturn return into the podcast app and you, your episode, I don't remember which one it was, but there was some episode about Saturn returns that you and Danny had recorded on Bridging Realities. Um, And I listened to that and just verbatim, everything that you guys were talking about resonated with me. Mm. And it was such a relief to me. Someone who at the time understood that what I was going through for whatever reason was necessary, but had zero context. And yeah, I had no context and no understanding of what I was going through and where I should go and how I should proceed and what could I learn. And so I think pretty briefly after listening to that, um, episode, I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to book an astrology reading. (laughs) And then I booked, I think I had three readings with you all told last year, like in the spring and summer. Um, and one of the readings that we'd had, you asked what I did 
and I told you, it's like, oh, I take pictures of food and like do marketing for natural products brands. You're like, that's cool. I can see that in your chart, but I think you're supposed to like change the world. So like, <laughs> so like get on that and get back to me and let me know how that goes. So here we are. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, what fascinates me about you and your work, and I'll let you talk about it, but, um, I, uh, in my exploration of astrology, learning astrology have been um, quite fascinated at how astrology can work hand in hand with regular old therapy. Mm -hmm. um, and I've had some really fascinating conversations with my own therapist about the unconscious and, and about the relationship between spirituality and psychology. So um, I'll let you talk to that. I know you were a therapist before you entered into the world of astrology. So if you could just give me a little or give us a little bit of a um, story around how that happened. Yeah. That would be super awesome. Sure. Uh, well, I think that anybody who ends up in the field of therapy or astrology or any kind of psychology is somebody who has had to face adversity, mm -hmm. uh, where, which has left them feeling either hopeless, depressed, high anxiety, all of the, what we could call me maybe mental diagnoses that, that we, we experience in life. It's those of us who really struggle through those experiences that find ourselves in the field of, of, of therapy. In fact, if, I think it's hilarious. Uh, when I was an actual therapist, people would be like, Oh, so you must be super fucked up. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> of course. Like why else would I get into this? Yeah. Like I'm not ashamed to say that I have difficulties in my life and I'm trying to figure out how to fix them. That's how I got into this field to begin with. Um, and of course my journey started much earlier than going to graduate school. I was, uh, when I first got initiated into the healing modalities, I was uh, 20 and I wound up uh, living in a commune in uh, Australia uh, at the time. Uh, and uh, they were doing these funny encounter therapy groups. The woman I was living with was a counselor and uh, she, you know, on this, at this commune, they were doing things like burying themselves for a night, six feet underground and uh, sitting on the earth and bleeding into it. And keep in mind, this is like 2003, 2002, you know, no cell phones, no nothing like that. I was just a, a, a kid out there wandering in the world, trying to figure out, you know, what the fuck was going on. So I, uh, you know, I, I learned about therapy there. I started to learn about like reflexology and things of that nature. And it really set me on my path at the time. And eventually I did decide to go to, to school and I got my master's degree in art therapy and counseling. Uh, so both of those, I'm, I'm very interested in art and artists. Uh, in fact, we're looking at a pretty interesting awesome, right? piece of art right now. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm blown away by what art does for humanity and, and how I think it's like the key to, uh, revolution. It's the key to social change. It's the key to, uh, emotional expression, et cetera. And so I, I, I studied the psychology behind art and that was really, really great. It was in that journey, uh, that I encountered Jason Hawley, who is an astrologer in Santa Fe. That's where I went to school and he brought in the moon into the classes. And mind you, I had always been interested in astrology. My grandmother taught me about astrology when I was very young. She's, she was also an Aquarius and she was the one who said, Oh, we're the weird ones, <laughs> you know, your family, they'll never understand us. Our family will never understand us because we're Aquarians. So I'd always been interested in it, but it was him who brought in the moon cycle into psychotherapy. And he was not just having us trace our mood with the mood moon, but he was having us trace our mood with like 
a lot of different cycles, which at the time I didn't understand. But when he said, you know, pay attention to the moon and pay attention to your mood. And this must have been 2008 or something like that. Uh, yeah, 2008. I, I thought, God, literally, why have I never thought of this? How is it possible that I have never thought of this? And so he mentored me a little bit. Uh, and he was the one who said, I think you need to become an astrologer when you grow up. And I said, that's literally the craziest thing, uh, anyone has ever said to me. Uh, you know, even it was a stretch for me to become a therapist cause I was a very politically active person. I was very involved in politics and competitive natured, um, activities cause I have a South node in Capricorn. Nevertheless, I did learn about astrology at that point, and then I went on to practice therapy, and I actually had my own art therapy studio for a while, and but I was also on the side conducting astrology consultations, which I've been doing for about 10 years now, and what I noticed is every day I had to go to my studio, it was the art therapy clients, when I knew I was going to go see them, my energy dropped, and I found that I was having a hard time like getting dressed and getting to the studio, but when I was going to read an astrology chart, I was I was there early, I was dressed well, I was excited, and, and then I recognized pretty quickly that uh, my path was not, in fact, therapy, it was astrology, and so I've been primarily an astrologer now for something like four, four, four years, maybe three years, three to four years. Mm -hmm. So crazy. Cool. Um, and then like practically speaking with your clients, right? Cause I'm really fascinated by the interplay between these two things. So mm -hmm. like, do you still, are you still employing these sort of like psychological, yeah. right? In your, in your practice. And then um, this will be, I plan to talk about astrology a lot on this podcast, but this mm -hmm. will be the first time that it's mentioned my astrology coming out of the closet. <laughs> oh, it's such a big coming out of the closet. I've been there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I would love to just talk about like, obviously we have an understanding of like a chart and how that works, but can you sort of walk me through, uh, and all of those listening through, like, what is the purpose of this tool sure. and how does it benefit um, psychology or, or just counseling yeah. in general. Great. So what, one of the things you learn as a psychologist or a therapist or a, anyone in the mental health profession, even sociologists will learn this is that it's pretty clear in the scientific data that the first three months of human development are in, in the most crucial, most important time of human development you know, the first three years of a child's life are pretty important. The first 18 years are really important, but the first three months are without a doubt, you know, any, any scientist can tell you are the most important. So when you go to see a psychologist or a therapist, they've been trained to understand that. So it's their job to really get into what that might've been like for you as a child and how that might be affecting your relationships, your, your personality, et cetera, as an adult. And so they're going to look at, uh, your socioeconomic class. Where, where did you come from, uh, from your, your, that, that structure, uh, your ethnic background? Did you have siblings? Uh, you know, what part of the world were you, were you raised in? So we look at all of these different elements that will affect one's psychology in those first three months attachment right attachment theory is probably the most central 
discussion in a session with a therapist or a psychologist because, you know, did you get milk when you asked for it or not? And that's going to affect your relationships to people as you, as you age. And so the thing that kind of disturbs me about the education that I got as a therapist and the education that therapists and psychologists gets is that we talk about all that, but nobody talks about where was the earth in those three months. And to me, that's blasphemic. So right now we're sitting here. I don't know when this will be published, but I think we're moving into Virgo season. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're in it. I don't know, but we're somewhere on the cusp of Leo and Virgo right now. It's, it's, it's coming into fall right now. We are, um, it's that time of year where it's, there's a little crisp in the air. The leaves are starting to turn. Uh, we've just come out of summer, you know, here in Colorado, everybody's been in the mountains swimming and going to concerts, but now we're going back to school. The reason we're going back to school is because it's fall. We're going back indoors. It's very basic. And that is because the earth has turned around the sun to a, to a degree where now we're going to get less light in the northern hemisphere, which is where 89% of the human population lives. Okay, so this is northern hemisphere weather, which is... Um, the, the root of, of Western astrology. And so we're affected by that. We cannot deny we're affected by the weather outside. It, it, it influences every single minutia of society from what we're doing, uh, 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 you know, with our jobs, from what we're celebrating, right? We celebrate Halloween during Scorpio season. It's pretty fucking obvious, you know, the shit's dying. So we celebrate that. We celebrate Christmas at the winter solstice. We want to bring light into the darkest night of the year. There are reasons that our entire culture functions the way it does. The economy is functioning alongside the zodiacal 12 signs, the, the, the 365 days that the earth turns around the sun. So how could that not affect the first three months of our lives and, and what we're seeing? Myself, and this is a great example. You're a Leo. I'm an Aquarius. We're, we were born literally six months apart from each other. You were born when this, when we were exposed, right? We're coming out of Leo season. It's it's high sun. We're in tank tops. Everyone's out there. Everyone's seeing everybody, right? And so you came into this world with exposure, right? People saw you. I'm sure as an infant, people came to see you. Your, your parents took you to the park, right? You interacted with people and you saw those eyes on you. I was born in the middle of February. I didn't see anybody for my first part of life, right? I was born in the, the coldest, darkest, most isolating time of the year. Okay. My first ex- exposure to reality was cold, dark, and isolating. I didn't have skin to skin contact. It was winter. So people born in the winter tend to be colder in temperament than people in the summer. It's just basic science. If there's nothing we're going to talk about spirituality. I understand, but there's, to me, there's very little that is spiritual about astrology. I see it completely as science at this point. Um, because I'm an Aquarius, I think very scientifically and, and I've done the statistics statistically, your sun sign will, will tell us what you're going to do for a living statistically. Now I haven't published my statistics for a variety of reasons. Um, but I have them, I have 10 years worth of statistics on like 10,000 know, charts at this point. Um, this is science in my perspective. So as a therapist and a psychologist, not a psychologist, but in the field of psychology, because of course I had to study a lot of psychology and many, many years of of reading books and whatnot, all of them failed to mention the weather. 
And that to me is the biggest hole in our modern world and and the approach to why are we the way we are. And, and I think you and people of your generation are really going to change the vocabulary. I would imagine by the time I take my last breath and, you know, inshallah and, and God's will that that will be, you know, I'm 80, 90 or something like that. I think it will be integrated into the culture at that point. But the fact that it hasn't been integrated into the culture in this point is, is to me one of the most shocking, um, um, disappointing elements of the modern life. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I mean, even in just the few readings that I've given, I mean, I'm also so fascinated by like, you sit in a therapist chair and I've been in therapy my entire life, Mm -hmm. but I think to some extent, a therapy session is relying on the therapist's knowledge of psychology and the client's knowledge and insight and, Mm -hmm. you know, memory uh, and recollection of all these different things that may not be there, especially when trauma is involved. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like with me, I always grew up like, okay, yeah, I might have had some issues with my mom. Mm -hmm. Um, but when you look, when I looked at my chart and saw so blatantly, like it was a map of like Mm -hmm. mommy issues, right. At that point you start to, at least for me, and maybe this is just my personality, but for me, when I see something defined, when I see something, when I read a thing, when something has words, right, a map, it's like, mm, I can't, I can't avoid it. I have to go there. Mm. Um, so I'm just wondering too, for you, like, I'm assuming that's quite helpful because you look at something, mm. you look at a chart and you see someone in a way that you're not able to see someone just through the lens of a therapist right. um, or through psychology. And that's what I found. So I was seeing therapy clients and I was meant to probe and, and you know, the whole idea of, of being a therapist is that you are there to reflect. You're not there to own it. You're not there to take on the person's issues or, or, you know, give them your issues. You're there to listen and reflect back. Okay. And that actually has a lot of benefit. Um, for the sense that relationships are the key to self-healing. I think a lot of people say you have to love yourself first and to to find love. Uh, I kind of think in a lot of ways that's bullshit. I think that you have to love someone first to really understand yourself. I think that being in a relationship with anybody, especially a therapist, you have the opportunity to have reflected to you your shadow because you don't know literally what the backside of yourself looks like if you think about it, right? Like I literally don't know what I look like from the backside. I have no concept. I've had a few pic, I've seen a few photos, but I don't, I barely know what the front side of me looks like because I'm not looking in the mirror all day. We look in the faces of others all day. That is our reflection and that is the point of a therapist. Now, what we have learned in neuropsychology is that that is good to an extent, but it can become harmful because what, what we know now is if you did experience a trauma. So let's say, uh, when I was a little girl, I got into a car accident when I was eight years old and, uh, you know, it caused major troubles in my family because my mom broke her leg and couldn't take care of me or something. You know, this didn't happen to me, but let's say it did. So I'm sitting there telling the therapist about this trauma. What is happening in your neural psychology? is you are reinforcing the neural, the synaptic pathway of your brain to keep seeing that trauma as present. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I don't, I don't believe in talk therapy at this point and I'm, I'm pretty, 
Um, I'm pretty adamant about this. I think that talk therapy is good to the point that in real life, nobody actually listens to us and we get to have somebody listen to us for one hour a week, (laughs) you know, for the love of God, one full hour, someone can just sit there and receive our words. But when we're talking about our trauma and when we're talking about it over and over again, we're reinforcing the brain to believe that that is our present experience. I'm a big fan now of EMDR therapy of um, tapping is a big thing now and um, neuro spotting. And um, uh, there's another one. Uh, They're actually bringing back shock therapy tools um, because what we're realizing in the brain is that you have to re trigger a different part of the brain to open up your conscious thought to come out of that, that trauma, you have to literally trigger a different part of the brain to start seeing the world differently and thinking about it differently. If you're talking about it over and over again, you're actually making the problem worse. And, and I'm going to use a quick analogy and, and then I will kind of link this to the astrology chart, <laughs> but this is my thing. You yeah, know no, what I mean? Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> this is my, my shtick. Yeah. So I think of the brain as a hiking path because I grew up in Colorado. So I got to hike a lot and if you've ever hiked and you've hiked maybe the same path, uh, even if it's somewhere in some prairie or even in some street, uh, city somewhere, you take the same path and you notice that that path gets worn down. So, uh, because thousands of people have walked on it and you've walked on it and your brain just like easily walks that path. It becomes like you go into autopilot. It's like when you've driven the same way home every day and you're like, you coming home from work and you, you forget, how did I even get here? Right? Because your brain is so used to taking that path. If you want to deviate off of that path, it's scary. Mm -hmm. So if I'm walking on the same path in the woods every day for, you know, five years and I decide one day to just start walking into the woods, it's scary because there could be a bear, there could be a mountain lion, there could be a homeless bum waiting to kill me. There could be a a, a number of threats uh, that might be there. Maybe there's none, but I could get lost. So I don't do it. And that's what our brain does when we keep telling our traumatic story over and over again. We're deepening the pattern in our brain of that reality. And it becomes scarier to come out of that trauma and see the world differently because we're walking off of the path of the neural synaptics. Now, how does this relate to astrology? If I can look at the chart and see clearly, cleanly, quickly, okay, I look at I look at the chart and I see within 30 seconds, I swear to God, your biggest issue in life. I can see it like that. Not an issue. I can bypass the story of the traumatic event and look at what is it that you're trying to learn and harness from this event. Right? Because what we have to keep in mind is not only does the temperature affect what you saw in the world, but where was the moon when you were born? Believe it or not. That affects what the people around you are doing. Um, where was Pluto? All of these other planets, you know, to be a good astrologer, you are a psychologist, you're a sociologist, you're a historian, right? You see patterns throughout the past and the present, and you know exactly what that child was experiencing for the first three months of their life. Cause you see the astrology chart. You can reference the culture at that time, the climate of society at that time, and you can see quickly what has influenced their, their thought And then magically we can see specific traumas, which, you know, is a whole nother conversation. So instead of being with a client and just listening to their shit all day, I don't really listen to that much. I'm that astrologer. Everyone has a different approach. I see what's up. I name it. 
I give very strategic tools to work with it. And I say, go, you don't need to see me again now for, you know, you don't need to see me every week. What's the point? You're wasting my time and I'm wasting yours. Yeah. And I think that brings up a really good point too, around like what I find so meaningful in astrology and know that I feel great about offering this to people that I'm giving readings to as well is like, there's a problem, but there's not only does the chart map out the problem, but the chart maps out the solution. Yeah. You know, it like does. the fact that there are these, you know, axes and that we all, it's like, and I say this a hundred times a day. It's like, it's not about going into one place or going into another place. It's about finding the middle ground and finding the balance. So sure. For one person, they may need to get out of their head and move into their heart. And for someone else, they're going in the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. But like the fact that you know, or if anyone says like, Oh, my chart's so crazy. This, that's like, no, we're all coming mm -hmm. into that middle space. And I think that's one thing with therapy. That's, it's very keen on naming problems. Um, but it isn't as keen on helping you find the solution. And I think, you know, it's interesting when I talk to people about who are skeptical about astrology. Um, and of course there's a myriad of reasons, but one of the things that I think is really prominent is like, because the path is so clear, the path of healing, the path of growth, that it's like, fuck that. I don't want to grow and learn and like accept responsibility. I mean, it's a big bite to take, um, in terms of your own self-actualization and mm -hmm. development. And I think, um, to have those tools laid out in front of you is super intimidating, I think for people, but also in my opinion, the key here and like why it's so useful and something I don't get, you know, me sitting in my therapist's office, mm -hmm. like, well, pretty fucked up. I got all this mm -hmm. trauma, but like, what am I supposed mm -hmm. to do about it? Mm -hmm. Um, so I find that, and I think, I and mean, then we can sort of go into the whole topic about spirituality, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, because to some extent to believe that what it says in our chart is the path mm -hmm. we have to believe that for whatever reason, it's correct or it's helpful, or it's just has any real value in this world at all. Um, so I don't know if you can speak to that at all either, like that, the, you know, bridge that people have to go on and walk mm -hmm. in order to get from the place of like, I'm just fucked up and I'm going to use astrology just to like name my problems to, oh shit, there's a path, there's a way, this is where I'm going. Um, and I, before we started recording, you know, for me, one of the big things that happened, like I did not have a spiritual practice. I didn't know what spirituality was. And I thought maybe this was just me, but in the other people of my generation, and I'd love, I want to talk to Tim about, uh, Tim Holleran about mm. Pluto Scorpios as well. Cause mm -hmm. I'm just really fascinated by that. But, mm -hmm. you know, I think we were so disillusioned growing up by religion. I know very few people that just are religious, you know, mm -hmm. Christian, Jewish. Well, a lot of us were raised that way, but we're like, what? This mm -hmm. does not feel right. But growing up, you know, for most of us that weren't tuned in or didn't have parents that were spiritual or weren't in communities with any sort of spiritual presence, that for me, it was like, it was that or being agnostic and being atheist. And I remember you saying to me in one of our first readings, like, yeah, you should develop a spiritual practice. Like go sit in a sweat lodge if you need to. And I was like, wait, what? Like that, how is that? I was like, wait, I can just like be outside and be connected to nature. Like I love nature. Sure. Um, but that was just a huge, that just opened a huge door for me to recognize that I could have a connection to this world that wasn't in a box 
or labeled or defined. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if you can speak to that at all, like that the uh, the uh, spirituality piece of astrology. Um, yeah. Well, I think you brought up a few points. You mentioned something just before, kind of the more spiritual thing about the clear path that astrology gives you and, and, and having a certain faith in that path. Um, and so this is what makes therapy and astrology notably the most different. In fact, I was just uh, with a therapist yesterday. I've, I've gone, I've started to go back to therapy. I'm uh, having some pretty gnarly transits right now. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and I'm not shy to admit it. And I, I went to actually see a psychologist. I've never seen a psychologist before. So this is new for me and he does EMDR and that's something I believe in. And it was, you know, he's older, he must be 60 and he knew pretty quickly what my issues were. Let's to be completely fair. He didn't look at my astrology chart, but he knew pretty quickly. Uh, and he brought it back to attachment and the typical things. And it was very helpful. I enjoyed it. And there's this piece about, I've been thinking about this. I, I asked him a, a very specific question. Should I do this or not? Uh, and he said, don't. And <clears throat> I've had to sit with that in the last 24 hours because he doesn't know actually what I should do. I'm the only one who in my truest heart will know what to do with this particular situation I'm confused about. And, and that's faith in myself. And so when we're with a therapist or even with an astrologer, everything they say is not our truth ultimately. It is a reflection. It's a mirror that we have to pay attention to. But when we become familiar with our own chart, we need guidance. You know, you can't, I I highly advise people getting into astrology, not to self-diagnose. I think this is where this explosion of astrology to me is terrifying. I'm scared about it. I'm, I'm turned off by it. I, I feel like I'm part of the problem. Uh, cause I've been giving out a lot of astrology information with, without really thinking of the consequences. But when someone starts to I, uh, diagnose themselves to their charts, they go dark. And especially for your millennial generation, you guys have the tendency to choose the dark thought rather than the light thought. And you can go crazy over your chart. And this is why we need astrologers in the world. And we need, you know, trained, I believe, trained psychotherapists who understand astrology in the world. That's kind of my mission. And because for one of two reasons, one, someone needs to to be able to objectively explain what they see in your chart. A, B, uh, they need to be able to hold the trauma or the hold the experience. C, they need to know when to say what they see and when not. This is a big problem in astrology. When people don't have the psychotherapeutic training, you can you can be a psychological AK 47 on someone's brain. Oh shit. You have a packed whatever house, you you know, I, I look at charts and I'm telling you in 30 seconds, I can see what happened to their, to them as children. I can see it clear as day, but am I going to tell them that? No, because they might not even know it happened to them and I might be wrong. There's that chance, right? So to build the therapeutic relationship with your astrology clients is very, very important and to build your own relationship with your chart. So if I say to you, your, your North node is in Pisces, you are here to develop a spiritual world, which I would imagine I said to you in that session. And that's probably why I said to you, go sit in a you know fucking sweat lodge or whatever it is you <laughs> want to do. Yeah. 
it's up to you to determine if that is really your truth. And you will know that through osmosis of reflection of your life. So I have a North node in cancer. Um, not that your listeners will know what that means necessarily, but that's my destiny point. Essentially, I'm here to learn cancer and I can say without a shadow or fraction of doubt in my soul that that is absolutely what I'm here to do. And the first time I met with the astrologer, Jason Hawley, he's, he said, uh, I bet this is the first time you've been in a, a woman in a very long time. And, and nothing had ever resonated so deeply to me in my entire life. Uh, not that I identify as a transgender person, but I very much identify with masculine qualities and I happen to have breasts and ovaries and a vagina. So it's been this very difficult situation in my life. And every day it presents to me that that is in fact what I'm here to learn. And so I have faith in myself and my interpretation of my chart that yes, my North node in cancer fits for me. Uh, and so that element of faith, you know, we talk about spirituality and we talk about God. Uh, there's a lot of interpretations of it. I think that your generation what being raised primarily by the Pluto Virgos. Um, what that means is the generation of people born from, oh gosh, I don't know this off the top of my head. It's 74 to 68 or something like that. Oh shoot. I should know that, but <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> anyway, there's a good chance if you look up at your parents' charts, they have right. Pluto and Virgo. But every once in a while, they're going to have Pluto and Leo. The Virgo generation is anal as fuck, okay? They are very religious by and large. They're very constrained and constraining. Uh, they are the, the, the generation of parents who got really afraid because what started happening when Pluto was in Scorpio is we were seeing economic crises. We were seeing the AIDS destruction, mm -hmm. okay? That was new. That only that war on AIDS was. Yeah, we were all born like during or right after that. Experiencing yeah. that, right? Totally. Um, you could have, you know, had sex with anyone you wanted, and and no, no one would have ever thought of that. Literally, for the two hundred, three hundred thousand years humans have been walking on this planet, it wasn't a conversation. But you know, birth control comes out, and um, you can start sleeping with whoever you want, and the spread of STDs and 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 you know, venereal diseases and all the the diseases you can get through sex happen. And so the parent, and, and also there was this girl stolen. Um, I can't think of her name. But it was like 1984, yeah. or 80, somewhere around that. Yeah, yeah. And this young girl was stolen, and this was a news story, and, and this was a big deal. So to hold on to your kids, keep them safe, and don't let them fuck anybody. This was how your generation was raised. You were raised to not experience uh, scorpionic things, which is sex mortality, money, power, food, the things we associate with, with Scorpio. And so your, your parents, and mostly I'm, I'm being very general about this. There's probably pl plenty of you who had parents who were quite liberal and loose, but for the majority of you, your parents then kept you indoors. This is when we started to see children not go outside and helmets on, on the bikes that you were riding and elbow pads and knee pads. And, and the problem with that approach to life is that children need to fall and bleed to develop a healthy relationship to the world. They need to bleed to feel mortality, but instead they sat in, in indoors because their parents didn't want to lose them, didn't want them to get STDs, whatever, and, and started playing games where they were shooting um, people and killing them in a virtual reality. And so we see then Columbine and everything that's followed since, and this is because of this fear 
that the Pluto Virgos have. And, and part of that fear is an absolute lack of faith in God, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Real God. I'm yeah. not talking like, you know, any particular dogmatic God. I'm talking like the G-O-D, the G-O-D-D-E, you know, the goddess God, the, which to me is, you know, you can be in a religion, uh, but that has very little to do with spirituality religion for a variety of reasons. God is a relationship with faith, right? That there is a reason I'm suffering right now. There's a reason I'm, this is the family I chose. There's a reason that this is happening to the country right now. There is a reason for it. And for me, astrology so blatantly lays out that reason. And that to me is my religion. It's my faith. It's my, it's my God. And and it really goes beyond astrology, right? Cause I don't know why the planets reflect back to us exactly what's happening in human consciousness and unconsciousness every single day, but it, it, it happens. And, and I have a deep, deep faith that the patterns of our DNA are no different than the patterns of the cosmos and that there's some grand design behind all of this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you brought up two really interesting points. I think the first going back to, like, taking... I've been thinking about this a lot. You know, taking responsibility for our faith, Mm. whatever that may be. Um, And it's just such a good example. I mean, sitting here across from you at the table when you're like, you're supposed to save the world, right? So, like, at that point, then you leave. And then I'm with myself. And I need to do what needs to be done internally to be like mature enough and aware enough and awake enough to, to sort of understand like what part of that am I taking and really resonating with, you know, and, and would there be a possibility that someone else could be like, Oh yeah, I'm the king of the world. And like, I'm going to do all these really ridiculous things. Right. Like there is, I don't know. And, and I, I like that aspect. I like that with astrology, there is the opportunity to kind of go a little bit farther, take a few more steps than you might in a psychologist's office, um, but really inspiring and empowering people to take ownership of their own lives. Um, and then like moving into the Pluto Scorpio thing, you know, I think that's where my, when I talk to Pluto, people who don't know about astrology, when I talk to people about my generation, like, and like millennials, like, it's so ironic that I have this podcast because I was like, Oh, I'm like on the older end. Like, I don't, I don't, yeah. Like, like I don't associate with you. I have like a brother that's four years younger than me. I was like, Oh yeah, you're a millennial. But like, I'm not a millennial. Um, but then learning about, Oh, like millennials equal Pluto Scorpios and then Mm -hmm. learning about Pluto Scorpios and like just going through my own journey of like going through crisis. So many of my friends are going through their Saturn returns. Even the people in my little window with my North node, like have Neptune on their North node in Pisces. It's just this big expansive awakening time. And so it's amazing Mm -hmm. to me just to be able to sit, I was going to say across from people, but via zoom, whatever on a computer and be like, let's go back. Like what, let's look at our generation for a second. Mm. Like, yes, the AIDS crisis. Then like, and while we're locked indoors, we were like watching the twin towers come down Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. watching internet porn Mm -hmm. and like all of this stuff. And it's so refreshing now. 
I think as we've all spent probably the last 10, 15 years just like burying ourselves in like what our parents thought we should do and then coming to a place now where the world is falling apart, being like, fuck, mm. like this is our world. And, and whether there's an intuitive, and maybe that's a scorpionic thing, because like, it was definitely that for me of feeling like there's a purpose to this transformation for me. Um, and there's a purpose for all of our transformations. We all need to fix ourselves so we can fix this other situation out here, but it all happens internally. Um, and then the, the second thing is just this idea of like God being both outside and inside of us. Right. Mm -hmm. I think it is the same. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's a really, I'd love to chat about that a bit like that, you know, change for us about like putting God in a box or like having God be an authority that we respected and we don't feel respectful of authority anymore. But when we take God out of that box and put it in our, ourselves, it's like, how do we manage that responsibility? Right. Um, do you see that often with just like how to take that risk? Like, or what words of advice might you have, I guess, for people of my generation who are like, shit, what do I do now? Right. And um, what is my purpose? Um, so I think something started to happen in the 1940s, 50s, uh, which was the advent of the television. And, you know, you know, first we had the printing press, you know, the Bible, uh, eventually newspapers, and then television, and now we're at social media. Uh, but what I think started to happen in the 1940s and 50s with that particular generation, what we call the Leo generation, is a group of people started to really care how people saw them. Mm -hmm. uh, and this was new, right? We were at that point pretty steeped in religious dogma, uh, looking to someone outside of ourselves for direction, for truth, uh, for faith. And, and that's, you know, that's been going on, you know, from the beginning of time, not just since like the religious era, which we call uh, the age of Pisces, but you know, you can go back into Egyptian mythology and Mesopotamian mythology. And we've always told stories about the archetype of, of psychology through the stars and through story to try to give us some kind of morality or understanding of our life's experience. But once that image was turned back onto us, we, something shifted pretty deeply in the human psyche, which was, well, people can see me now. Uh, whether it was 15 minutes of fame because you were at some hippie rally protesting Vietnam and your mom and dad could see you on the television at home or, uh, you know, you were watching to leave it to Beaver and leave it to Beaver became a sort of God of what a, a typical Amer American family should look like, a mom, a dad, and 2.5 kids. Uh, we started having this interesting conflict, I think, in the human psyche of, really looking at ourselves in, in a way I don't think we looked at. And if you think about it, Freud only came around the early 1900s. I mean, psychology is a very, very, very new practice. Don't get me wrong. It's been, you know, the, I think preachers and I think that there's been forms of psychology, but to actually analyze the human experience and the human mind is very new in human consciousness, yeah. right? We're not, cause we're not just surviving anymore. I mean, we are, but we have, we have some time. On yeah. Our hands. Yeah. We, we're, we have a lot of luxuries <laughs> yeah. now. 
like, you know, saber-toothed tigers aren't like yeah. lurking behind the you know, trees to kill us. And we have shelter and technology and things of those nature. And so we can develop philosophy. In fact, it's agriculture that pr- provided this new form of human consciousness, really. Nevertheless, um, which is an interesting thing actually about agriculture because of how we started um, eating vegetables that changed the caloric intake of our brain. And we actually built, we we have all this this time in our brain now to fill that was subsequently being filled by eating meat and hunting. Mm -hmm. That's kind of an interesting just side story. But um, so philosophy comes along and we start thinking, why am I here? And then we start thinking, who, who am I? And so this that generation in particular, we could call them the baby boomers uh, or the hippies or whatever, they started to get quite self-obsessed um, in in an almost um, um, disturbing way. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are the first ones who said, you know, fuck religion, really. Uh, they were the first ones to outright uh, spit in the face of religion. And interestingly enough, the Pluto Virgos kind of fought back to hold on to it. But it became a narcissistic experience that this generation started to have where, uh, we see them now like Donald Trump is, is the epitome of this generation. That's why I'm a big fan of him. And if that's going to upset people, that's fine. But I love this man in a way I can't quite describe, um, uh, because he is showing yeah. that generation their fucking shadow well, and showing us all, Everything. What's going on. Yeah. Right. So it's like, you, oh, yeah, he's just going to go away. No, no. Like, he is the, I don't know, the symbol of everything, everything. that's been going on right. and is going on. Yeah. Right. So and he's the television generation representation. Like, yeah. you know, I know none of us are watching the news. I don't know a single person, but my fucking parents sure as shit watch it. Yep. And you're like, yep. what the fuck is going on <laughs> in your brain? Like, why are you watching this? But yeah. they're, they're living out a karma that yeah. was initiated with them being the first television generation. And I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent in all this, and, and I apologize for that. I have Gemini rising. But, you know... In terms of, like, owning our own responsibility. Yeah. Right. So so I think the, the, the fear in just having it be about ourselves, because you're talking about God inside and God outside, is I think there's been kind of a movement towards just God inside, and I don't think that's healthy. I think yeah. I think we have to have some kind of moral standards, and we have to believe in something bigger than ourselves and something within ourselves. And I think that the great thing about that generation is they've allowed us to look at God internally, but I think that an equitable experience of spirituality is seeing it as both. You know, I was sitting on a chair yesterday and this incredibly beautiful fly landed on my chair handle. And man, I just, I had a full conversation with this little guy, right? I mean, like he was so pretty. I mean, whoa. And I'm like, why are you here? Why are we hanging out? This is really neat. And and I like that. I, I That's outside of me. That's some outside experience and beautiful fly. And I think that about all kinds of things, right? Yeah. So I think there can be the balance of, of both of them. Well, and I think there has to be, even going back to like how to utilize astrology practically, like I talk amongst my apprenticeship and just people that know astrology, like all the time, even in therapy about this co-creation, right? Like we have to both act and sit back and act and sit back. And it is like within charting that course where I think the magic lies, you know? And I think it's what like, I just had this such a beautiful moment with my therapist because I've always felt she's a psychologist. She's the first psychologist I've ever seen. So that was huge 
and helpful <laughs> um, and different. But, you know, I, I'd found my way into this apartment that I'm living now, like in the mountains of Topanga. It's gorgeous. I feel like I literally dreamed about it before mm. going there. Um, and of course, you know, how did it actually happen? Well, the ad was posted on Craigslist. I harassed the landlord. I like told him I'd pay him three months in advance. You know, I did everything in my power to make it happen, but it also felt so divine. Mm -hmm. It just felt like I had no control and that was placed in my life exactly how it was supposed to. And so my therapist and I are having this conversation and sort of as I'm talking about, oh God and, and faith and it was, you know, meant to happen and like, yeah, well, but you did it too. And oh, they're the same thing. And it was just this amazing merging of those two worlds. And I think that is key, right? And probably partially what you're trying to say too in your own practice with clients is like, it is both. And we can't just sit there and be like, I'm in a bad mood today. Well, like Chiron's opposite my moon, like shit. Okay. Well, I'm not going to reflect on why, right. I'm just going to like accept that that's that way. Um, and so constantly pushing ourselves, but not too much. <laughs> well, I think that is, I think in the Western mind, we have to figure out what's wrong with us. You know, yeah. it's funny. So I was just living in, in Egypt and, uh, in Egypt, you know, it's a very different psychology <laughs> than the West. Oh my goodness. Um, and you know, they're not talking about what's, why am I the way I am and what's wrong with me? I'm, I'm sure a fair amount of them are, but you know, in that culture, there's, you know, an incredible amount of faith in God and Allah is a very, you say at the end of every sentence in the Arabic language, you know, in God's will and God's will and God's, in God's will and, and they're functioning fine. You know, I think a lot of people might not think that, but I think they are a very successful society from what I experienced there. And there's very little self-analyzation or I need to be or I need to do. There's a deep, deep embedded trust in God. I mean, it's literally woven into to their language. It's incredible. And it's like the, the, the cornerstone of their entire vocabulary is have faith in God. God knows the way. And I think that one of the, the cautions I've noticed with myself and with working with clients is we'll learn about our charts. And because we're Western minded, we feel like we have to be very successful. We have to be very achieved. We have to, you know, have this outside appearance of success or whatever it might be that we look at our chart and I might look at my, my cancer North node and be like, I have to become more feminine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? And, yeah. and, and I did, I did that actually for the first like five or six years living with living and breathing my chart. And it was this constant, like, I have to become more feminine, which is just so hilarious because yeah. feminine is literally to just lean back and trust. And so yeah. it is developing, I think, I think, I think the potential of humanity right now or the brink of, of potential of humanity right now is, is for the West to sincerely, authentically, organically develop trust and faith in what is. Yeah. Right. Like you don't have to fix everything. Like it is what it is. Yeah. So just be in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And that we are all exactly where we're supposed to be. 100%. Yeah. And that I think is such a beautiful part of astrology. I mean, in any time that I'm trying to control, and that's one of my big issues with the Virgo South note, it's just like, nope, I need to make it this way and I need to make a plan. And if it's not happening on my timetable, it might go away and blah, blah, blah. And just really 
breathing and taking a step back and just being like, no, this time is here for a reason. Like Saturn is here for a reason. All of these things are here for a reason. And then also like not, I think what astrology helped me do too is not self deprecate. Mm. I mean, and it can, it can, again, take responsibility for how you use astrology, right? Because I know a lot of people are using it and just like, I'm fucked yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> lots of people. Yeah. An inordinate amount of people, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I hear it when I talk to people about their charts too. It's like they're just instantly mm-hmm. wanting to go into like, yeah, that's me. I control too much and I can't get mm-hmm. out of it and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, I look at this whole thing of like, no, we really need to reframe this. Like, how do I utilize right? Like how do I utilize my South node in Virgo with Mercury with like way too many goddesses, like all this stuff in the sixth house. Mm. Like there's something there that's going to meaningfully help me get to my North node. And like, that's the magic Absolutely. to be like, that's the shit that you got mm-hmm. for a reason, you know? Um, and there are many, of course, for all of us, like I'm, I've been now pretty in-depth learning about astrology for I'm sure you can even say this with you, but like, and I'm still learning shit about my chart. I'm still oh, like, God, yeah. the light bulbs just keep going off. So it's like this never ending. And it's so beautiful. Cause it's like, it also, I feel like you come to things when you need to, <laughs> you discover things about your chart, like when it's time to do it. And the same about just like taking a step back and not even getting obsessive about astrology. Cause you need to learn the things when you're meant to learn them. Mm-hmm. Um, but really seeing the whole picture of yourself as you know, I hate the word perfect, but like perfect Mm -hmm. at every time, you know? And I really, I see life as an onion and I just think we're just, we go through events through our life that just keep helping us peel off onions to get to the core. And I look at that from the perspective of astrology is our sun sign. I think that Pluto is like that outer shell almost, or, uh, and then there's the nose and there's, you know, Mercury and Venus and all these things, these idiosyncratic elements of our psychology. A lot of astrologers will disagree with me by the way, but I don't care. Um, you know, this pulling off to get to the core of who we, who we really are, which is like pure acceptance of like the core of our, our chart, which is our sun sign. And the, the core of, you know, I've worked with, uh, clients from, age as young as, you know, I've looked at infants charts. I haven't read them. That's a whole nother podcast. (laughs) Um, well, I haven't read them to the parent at least. Um, uh, and then I've looked at, you know, teenagers I've looked, I've literally, I've worked in hostess for a long time. So I've read charts for people on their deathbed to quite a few people and always they got there. Amazing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You, so you meet, you talk to somebody in their twenties and you know, you might yeah. want to like slam your, your hand against your head, like in <laughs> like frustration return, just like, uh, <laughs> like why don't you get this? Yeah. <laughs> but they can't, yeah. they've like quite literally your brain doesn't really complete its form until 30. And so post Saturn return and, and really that's just, you know, it's a, it's neurologically scientifically accurate and yeah. according to the, the stars. And so around 30, you finally start to get your, sh- barely start to get your shit together. Fuck. I mean, people come to me all the time. Why don't I have my shit together? I had a 25 year old client last night and I was like, Oh my God, you're 25. I can tell you I've read three. I've worked with 3000 clients at this point, which is not that many, but it's enough to say that most people don't really get their shit together until like 50. 
honestly. Every once in a while, there's an exception to the rule, and we see them on Instagram and on the the the, the whatever the YouTubes and whatever. But that's the, those are the exceptions. The majority of humans don't really start to understand what's going on until about Chiron return at fifty. Um, and so there has to be a patience and an understanding, especially that because I've seen so many people on their deathbed really achieve the embodiment of their chart. I'm not worried. Yeah. You know, I'm not worried. Like I, I'm not the astrologer who looks at my chart and worries about much. I, I get a little bit upset about some transits coming up and I get, I definitely get worried about it, but I also am not the astrologer who excuses my life because of my chart. I, I think um, if you're doing that, if you are somebody who's looking at your chart and saying, woe is me, I have this and this and this, then you need to see a therapist and you need to see an EMDR neurospotting therapist who will change your attitude about how you view your own life. If you see yourself as poor little me, an astrology chart reading is not going to fix that. And an astrologer sure as hell is not going to fix that. Something's in your brain telling you there's something deeply wrong with you. Your, either your mother or your father or your grandparents or your, your school or your religion told you that. But it's not fucking real. And an astrology reading cannot change that deep perception of, of self-hatred and right. self-doubt. Unless you like actively take it and work on it in a myriad of ways and through a bunch of different modalities. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is you actually, what we know now is that the brain is actually just a, a muscle. Mm -hmm. You know, we've put a lot of emphasis on intellect, <laughs> me specifically. <laughs> I'm way more into my intellect than I am to my heart, but the culture, the Western culture has put a lot of emphasis on the, on the intellect and the intellect, the brain is actually, no, it's just a muscle. And, and this is that muscle memory. If your you know, dad told you you're a piece of shit for 18 years, your, your brain is going to think and you, it will not change when you look at an astrology chart, you actually have to exercise your brain. And if that means you go in the mirror every day and you fake it till you make it and you look at yourself and you say, I'm fucking awesome. Even if you don't believe it, it's, it's like when you have a pudgy stomach, you just have to start sitting up or doing exercise or doing push-ups or whatever it is you want to develop muscularly in your body. You have to, even the pain of doing it. You have to just do it. You have to do it repeatedly. You have to do it over and over again, build that muscle memory. It's the same exact thing in your brain. You have to learn to, 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 to reprogram your brain, to think of reality differently. And an EMDR neurospotting therapist can actually speed up the process of that to a certain extent. But this is why affirmations work. This is why when you put notes in your bathroom mirror, you're just building a muscle in your brain to see the world a certain way. Right. And, and, and no, no one can do that, but you, yeah, it's work. It's, it's like work. You, you have to do the work. Yeah. It's work. Yeah. It's work. I, work. I totally. And I think like, I think astrology is an amazing tool to help give you like, here's your to-do list. Here's the work that needs to be done. But it's right. Like me just sitting there being like, cool, I need to develop a spiritual practice. Well, obviously you need to actively do that. Mm -hmm. And that's really, that's not just practically, tangibly, logistically. That's like getting my mind to a place where I can actually be present with something that isn't my intellect and with, isn't in my analysis of things, right? Um, so I do think that's, I think in my journey so far, like that's been one of the most helpful tools. It's just a jumping off point, you know, and you have to take, you have to take the next step in order to accomplish what you want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And it's like a lifelong, a mm -hmm. lifelong process too. And sometimes you need help. And this oh, is yeah. where the psychotherapist is a helpful tool. You know, I would never dismiss psychology as a, as a field or I'm disappointed 
that they don't use astrology. I think yeah. they're missing <laughs> 80% of yeah. the entire experience of a human's experience. But, uh, but yeah, sometimes we just need someone there to help us, uh, motivate us or, or not, mo- but, you know, reflect back to us the, the growth potential, you right. know, and, um, yeah, but it's work for sure. Um, so why don't on that topic in terms of like helping, can you talk to people about where they can find you? And, and before that, like, where are you going? Like <laughs> just a little question. Well, that's such a good question. In terms of, I guess in terms of your practice, I know you just got back from Egypt. So like there's been a whirlwind of trying to get that back together, but do you have some idea of like where you'd like to go and, and how people could reach out to you or what type of astrology you practice and all of that? Yeah. So I have some big goals, uh, which I'd prefer to keep to myself because they're not even remotely close to being actualized. Uh, but they have a lot to do with merging these, the field of psychology and the field of astrology. Uh, right now, like you said, I've just gone through a big change. I've had a crazy couple of transits, which have just begun to be completely (laughs) honest. That 2020 thing is happening in my eighth. (laughs) <laughs> the Pluto Saturn conjunction is squaring my natal Pluto Saturn conjunction. Oh, so fun. it's only just begun for me. Um, but let's see how it goes. Um, and so I, I, I can't know exactly how that's going to show up, but I think for me, I'm my hope with astrology moving forward is of course I have a podcast called bridging realities an accessible astrology podcast. And the motivation of that podcast was initially to bridge this language of astrology into everyday life because at the time, uh, there was only like three or four podcasts in the world. Now there's like, you know, 500 on astrology specifically, but at the time there was only a couple and they were very like astrology, you know, these are the tools of astrology and and I was like, Oh, you know, I get very bored by that type of thing personally. And so my friend and I, Danielle Polgar, we decided to bring it into more organic feminine conversation and I think I'm really hoping to, as I move forward with the podcast, I'm wanting to bring in more psychologically minded people, some from different psychological backgrounds. Uh, you know, I, I'll bring astrologers on occasionally, but I'd, I'd like to really start giving people more tools rather than saying, you know, 2020 transit is coming up, you know, right. hold on to your fucking hats. It's more like, how do you work with that? And what are tools that we can be using in our, in our personal lives to deal with transits and deal with progressions and, and the events that occur in life. And, and for me also, I'm really wanting to be a support network for practicing astrologers because you don't need like a certificate to become an astrologer. You don't, you don't even need to have ever been trained by a teacher. You can literally pick up a book and call yourself an astrologer. And actually I'm writing a book about this right now. And, um, so I guess that's part of what I'm doing. You know, anyone can be an astrologer, but not everybody should be. And, and so I'm trying to create a, a, a warehouse of support for people who are out there in the field working with people because, it's a very, I've talked about this uh, a lot, but I, I, I really, (laughs) really see astrology, not all that different than being a a medical doctor or a physician. I really don't, I don't see them all together that different because you have the potential to literally fuck someone's life up so immensely through looking at someone's chart. And we need support as astrologers 
to know how to navigate those times with clients. And so I, you know, I've been slowly but surely putting together supervision groups with um, other psychotherapists to help give support. And it's a slow process because I'm having my own transits right now. And, and I've learned with my Cancer North Node that I don't have to get it figured out today. Um, I don't have to build my empire today. I can, you know, let life be and, and slowly build this. But that's that's ultimately my direction. And I'm doing a lot more. I'm going to be doing a lot more lecturing around the country and around the world um, now, uh, which is exciting. And um you know, teaching kind of people mostly that you need to be very accountable for what you're saying as an astrologer that, uh, you know, we have YouTube now and we have, you know, people can say whatever they want to say without being held accountable for how that affects other people. And I think that that is, um, okay in some ways. And in some ways I think that's very irresponsible. And, um, so that's what I'm doing. So you can find me at AccessibleAstrology.com. I'm not big about social media, but you can try to find me there. Uh, <laughs> but I don't like it very much. Uh, but the podcast is the best way to to be involved. And then through my Patreon, I'm trying to eventually bring more resources for that kind of supervision for the, the people who kind of support the work I'm doing. And I try to do that like with bonus episodes and things to give them a little bit more... Um, information in a more ethical way. That's my goal. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. And one more question, Yeah. which I didn't know if I was going to ask, but I'm just going to do it <laughs> for everyone, which is if you, I'm obsessed with books for anyone that knows me, I read like way too much. So yeah. if you had one book that you could give to like everyone on the planet, Whoa. what would it be? That's such a good question. <laughs> wow. You should ask all your guests I know that's that. the plan. That's, That's a the plan. great plan. <laughs> I should probably maybe tell them ahead of time. Like if someone yeah. asked me that on the spot, I'd be like, God damn it. Like, Seriously. Let me consult my bookshelf. You could throw out a couple. All right. If um, you need to. I would say, uh, I mean, there's certain authors that have really changed my life. Like Tom Robbins, of course, and Ayn Rand, although I know that's a big taboo subject, but I think that chick is awesome. Um, uh, Oh man, I, you know, I don't know. You know, I might, I might actually say the fountainhead. Um, okay. I'm trying to think about my library of books and which ones I'm, I'm closest to that. I won't like give away or that are the most tattered. And that's the one that is the most tattered in my collection. And Oh, my mom, if you don't want to tell a liberal, you like Ayn Rand, you know, that's just terrifying. And she gets very offended by the fact, but I like it because, uh, this is about a character who doesn't give a fuck what you think. And I'm that person. I, I, I get very frustrated by, by, uh, the type of temperament that cares so deeply what other people think. I think that's one of the most terrifying traits to acquire because, you know, this is our one life. And at the end of the day, what's that quote? Um, women who don't, something oh, rarely make history. Women who behave don't. Pro politely yeah, rarely yeah. make history. But yeah. you think about it, right? Yeah. Think of Charles Darwin or Rosa Parks or Oprah or... Yeah you know, Beethoven or any of these notable figures in human history, like they didn't give a fuck, right? Like they did to a certain extent, of course, because you have to be like part of the world, but they were so, you know, blindly and, 
you know, forthrightly aimed at a goal that they weren't going to let anyone stop them. And, and that's how I feel about Howard Rourke and the Fountainhead is he is unapologetically authentic. And I think I'd aim to live my life that way. I don't do it successfully all the time, but that's my personal yeah. motto. So, well, I think that's perfect. I think it's perfect medicine mm. for our time. I'm like mm. big on authenticity mm. and vulnerability. And I think that us staying in those boxes in a safe place is what has prevented us from progressing in all sorts of ways. So perfect answer. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure if I really think about it, I'm going to come up with something totally yeah. different. And now but... you'll have like a couple months too, before I even release this. Like, God damn it. <laughs> Wait, can you? Oh, God. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you so much. You're welcome so this much. This was amazing. Thanks and for having me. I yeah. like I like when I get to be on this end of things. Cool. I'm so much better on this end of things. <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty I, good on that. <laughs> well, yeah. maybe we can do it the opposite way one time, Absolutely, too. absolutely. And, uh, or talk again. Anyway, Great. thank you. Thank you. Hello again. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. I certainly did. It was so great. Uh, chatting with Eugenia. If you enjoy what you heard, I encourage you to go check out her website and her podcast. Um, and I did want to throw out a quick note. So, uh, earlier this year I was offering astrology readings, uh, to people, which I'm still sort of doing informally. I just haven't been advertising it a lot because I've got many other things to focus on in the next few months. I plan to kind of kick that back off again, maybe sometime in February or March of next year. But if you do want an astrology reading with me, um, you can always shoot me an email. It's just Anya at AnyaKates.com and we can set something up kind of informally while I take this little hiatus. Just wanted to mention that. And the song that I'm going to play for you guys today is called Sagittarius by Trevor Hall. Um, and this is off of his album called The Fruitful Darkness. And this whole, his whole most recent album is actually about astrology and reflections on his own Saturn return. And he released this uh, album over the course of a year in four parts, and it coincided completely perfectly with my own Saturn return. So I cannot tell you how many times I've listened to this album. Um, but I have Saturn in the sign of Sagittarius, as did Trevor. And I figured also, given that Jupiter just ingressed into Sagittarius, which is the sign that it rules, that this would be the perfect song to play. So I hope you enjoy, and I will talk to you all next time. Break me out the pattern, the rings of Saturn, yeah. Get me out of my way. I surrender mission to gain another vision. Get me out of my way. The stars, they be whispering, longing to be kindred. Get me out of my way. A true double seeker to find the inner teacher. Get me out of my way. I'm still learning how to walk in my fire. Love in my fire I'm still learning how to walk in my fire Live in my fire Love in my fire If I try to push, I leave myself blinded yeah. Get me out of my way And so I stay reminded it's all perfect timing Get me out of my way I gotta go under if I wanna find
out of my way. I am that I am that I am what I am. Love I am that I am what I am. I'm still learning how to walk in my fire. Live in my fire. Love in my fire. I'm still learning how to walk in my fire. 